0: Two mats. That's the number two, M A T T S, and there's a link in the show notes. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your
1: style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today.
0: Hi, this is James Ball. I write every week in The New European on what's happening behind the scenes in Westminster and across the world. If you'd like to enjoy more from The New European do join us by subscribing at the forward slash subscribe. Hello, Snowflakes. Welcome back to the New European podcast from the people who bring you the New European. My name's Steve Anglesey, the editor of the New European. If you like what we do, please join us by subscribing at the slash subscribe coming up on the new european podcast i'll lose my place and start rambling on about peppa pig and making the noise of a car starting then the great mitch ben will return and we'll be putting more putrid politicians and pompous pundits into our hall of shame i'm recording this at a time when we're finding out more about the awful and awfully inevitable events in the channel we'll be covering that issue in depth in the next print edition of the new european which is available on thursday december the 2nd we'll be talking about it here next time too But here it's been another absolutely normal week for the government. And Dominic Raab kicked it off by saying, I've got total faith in the prime minister who has successfully dealt with getting us through Brexit. I didn't know that, did you? Boris Johnson has successfully dealt with getting us through Brexit. So when you've read about things like these this week, all of these are successes. New import duties on Christmas presents sent to the UK by relatives in Europe. Brexit success. New fees just to enter EU countries under a scheme similar to the ESTA scheme used in America. That's a Brexit success. British customers can no longer order stuff from Amazon using a credit card because Visa have racked up their transaction rates. Now an EU cap no longer applies to us. It's a Brexit success. And major reports found that the government's planning for a potential pandemic was hampered by taking significant time and resources away to work on a no-deal Brexit. It's a Brexit success. Tax cuts for free ports, which were another supposed Brexit benefit, have been watered down by Rishi Sunak because Rishi Sunak has realised what the rest of us have known for a while. They're simply going to drain taxpaying businesses away from parts of Britain rather than attracting the world to harwich and Ghoul. It's a Brexit success. British pies are going to be banned from export to Europe if their ingredients don't come from an approved farm or factory. It's a Brexit success. And beefy to restaurants. A hand in diners menu of dishes they can't order, which includes the Big Dipper burger, fired up fries, and the flame grilled combo. All of them are my favorites. And those are because of supply line issues, partially caused by Brexit. It's a Brexit success. There's going to be a shortage of alcohol at Christmas because of supply and line issues, again, partially caused by Brexit. It's a Brexit success. Oh, and we kicked off a week of new negotiations with the French, with one of our side calling Emmanuel Macron a prickly bugger, which surprisingly didn't lead to a cooling of relations to end the posturing on both sides, which we need to stop tragedies happening in the channel. Brexit success, as far as the eye can see. But of course, the biggest Westminster news of the week was Boris Johnson's commanding speech to the CBI in South Shields, where he lost his place in his notes, he made the sound of a car. He had to be asked by an interviewer if everything was OK after he ranted on about Peppa Pig. This is how Dominic Raab, once again, described the speech. The point he was making was that from our creative arts through to our technological ingenuity and the exports, the revenue, the jobs those bring, we should back ourselves. Boris Johnson is the one with the energy, the optimism, and a very clear plan. And frankly, he leaves all the other parties and leaders in his wake. To which we ask the eternal question what colour is the sky in Dominic Raab's world? Joining me now on the New European podcast is the comedian, author, songwriter, New European columnist, all round fancy guy. It's Mitch Ben. Mitch Ben, welcome back.
1: Thank you. I don't think the word fancy has ever been appended to me before. That's a, <laughs> fancy. It's, it's a whole new experience.
0: Fancy, but never fancy schmancy. So no, indeed, yes. <laughs> you have been doing stand up for for what now? More than twenty five years? Twenty five years ish? Yeah, yeah. It's
1: actually. I mean, since the very first time I did it, it's actually just over thirty years. But I've been wow. sort of I've been sort of pursuing it. It's been sort of my job for about 25. Yeah, yeah. I kind of dabbled with it for a few years and then it sort of became my thing. But yeah, a long
0: time, a long, long time. And inevitably, you will lose your train of thought. When you do lose your train of thought, do you immediately think, right, now I'm going to go to straight to the pepper Pig material? <laughs>
1: Um, no, but I tell you what I don't do is I don't lose my trade of thought when my trade of thought is written on a bit of A4 <laughs> paper, which I've got in my hand. That, that i tend not to do it's it's extraordinary i mean the analogy i came up with watching uh boris's speech the cbi which i i, I said on twitter the other days what it really reminded me of was when i was quite a new comedian in sort of the mid 90s and i was playing like the open mic clubs in london and elsewhere and i don't know what it's like now but certainly back in my day you could always kind of tell who the hippest comedians at the time were, because it was kind of who a lot of the guys at the open mic clubs were trying to be, right? So when I got started in comedy, sort of 94 and 95, Bill Hicks had just died. And you could always see somebody who'd been watching too many Bill Hicks videos because, you know, they'd sort of stalk around on stage with their head down smoking and making sort of incredibly angry political points that probably weren't actually that funny because they weren't as good as Bill Hicks. And also at the time, Harry Hill had just broken out. So you did get to a, a lot of people sort of trying to be trying to be surreal but not really getting what surreal is. It's not just non sequiturs. There's actually some kind of a shape to it. You know, it's again they didn't quite get. But the one a lot of them wanted to be was Eddie Is it Apologies in advance to the pronoun police. I know Eddie uses female pronouns these days. I may slip up on this because I'll be talking about things concerning Eddie from back in the 90s. But Eddie had just broken big. He'd been going since the mid 80s, but We're starting to sell the big theatre tours and starting to sell lots of videos. And you could always really tell the open mic acts who wanted to be Eddie Izzard because they'd watched a lot of Eddie Izzard but didn't get that what Eddie Izzard does is and has always been an act. That whole vague, distracted, so, yeah, mm, comedy, so, yeah, well, mm, well, yeah, well, so, mm, comedy. That's fake right? Eddie Izzard is the most meticulously prepared comedian in British comedy. Everything Eddie Izzard has done since about 1988 has been planned, right? But a lot of the newbie comics wouldn't necessarily get this, and they think that, wow, it's amazing. He has no idea what he's going to do when he gets up there. So they would literally get up at open mic nights and try and do 10 minutes with no material, because they thought that was what you did. And I got extraordinarily vivid flashbacks to those days watching Boris at the CBI. It was, I don't know, in, 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 in both, well, I mean, <laughs> Boris's whole problem is that he is entitlement made flesh. Um, and isn't he? Um, he's just, he's the world's most entitled person. And he has, on many occasions, gotten away with either turning up completely unprepared or pretending to turn a completely unprepared and just winging it purely on charm and it was quite interesting seeing him realize that that was you could tell that he knew it wasn't working and I think that was new
0: yes he looked a bit rattled didn't he yes he
1: really did I think you could tell that you know um oh I'll, 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 I'll go on about Peppa Pig that'll get him back and it didn't and you could actually see him notice it not getting them back and that was quite interesting yeah, because, you know, I mean, everyone, I'm sure you've heard Jeremy Vine's story. You, you must have heard yes. Jeremy Vine's story about this, yeah. But not, uh, not, anybody, not everyone will
0: have heard it. So No, funny. no, no, yeah,
1: the, 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 there will be links to it. The Jeremy Vine tells this story, of, and I think he first published this back when Boris was mayor of London. No, no, it's when he was foreign secretary, that's right. He wasn't yet prime minister, but looked like he was going to be, and this is why. Jeremy, It's it, the story starts when I think Boris was... Still an MP was not quite mayor, and Jeremy was presenting some award ceremony at the Grosvenor or something, and Boris was meant to be giving the uh, the keynote speech before the awards, and Boris is due on at, like. 9 p.m. It's 8 58. There is no signs of Boris. Boris comes hurtling in with his tie undone. Jeremy, Jeremy, marvelous to see you. Marvelous to see you. Where, 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 where the bloody hell are we? It's it's the uh the um it's 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 the insurance awards. Right, right, right. Insurance awards. Um, who's giving the speech? You are, am I? Oh bloody hell. oh, oh right, uh, um, right. Has we got a pen? Has we got a pen? You get a, I'll borrow a pen. Somebody gives him a pen. Boris starts making notes on a napkin. The only two words that are visible are sheep and shark. Boris, you know, uh, ladies and gentlemen, please uh, uh, welcome your keynote speaker, Boris Johnson. Right, honourable Boris Johnson, MP. Boris wanders up on stage, goes, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the, um, welcome to the, uh, the. Uh, turns round, looks at the big screen. Yes, yes, the uh, insurance award. big laugh. He doesn't know where he is, right? And then he tells a couple of jokes. One of which is about a sheep, and one of which is about a shark. And then he ends the whole st- thing with an anecdote which has a three-part punchline. And I can't remember what the anecdote is, but it's, it's, it's so the, the anecdote is, you know, first of all, madam, I blah, 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 blah and second of all, I would blah, 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 blah and third, um, well, I can't remember what the third thing was, so I'm sure it was very amusing, and, and he gets this huge laugh, and off he goes, right, and everybody's completely, completely beguiled, because he apparently had no idea where he was, and just got up and, and winged it on pure charm, and everybody says, like, oh, Boris, what a tripper!" right, it's about seven or eight years later, Boris is now mayor. Jeremy is presenting another award ceremony, probably still at the Grosvenor because that's where they do all of them. And this time it's for the like the Farmers Weekly Awards, right? And again, Boris is the keynote speaker. Boris is, do you want it, about nine? It's 8.58pm. There is no signs of Boris. Boris comes hurtling in with his tie undone. Jeremy, Jeremy, marvellous to see you. Marvellous to see you. Uh, where the bloody hell are we? Uh, it's the Farmers Awards Boris. Right, 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 right. Uh, no, who's giving the speech? You are. Am I, who oh, bloody hell? Um, um, right. Has anybody got a pen? Anybody got a pen? Somebody gives him a pen. Somebody Gives him a napkin. He starts making notes. The only two words are visible are sheep and shark. He gets up on stage, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the yard. Uh, the yard. Uh, welcome to the yard. Uh, turns around, looks at the big screen. Yes, yes, the farmers going. Everything, beat for beat, the same. Off stage and on stage, everything he did was exactly the same. And that's when Jeremy Vine realised that it's well, it's like when they found Frankie Howard's notebooks. <laughs> Do you remember um, some of Frankie Howard's gag books? I think came up for auction. Uh, back in the noughties and everything was written down all those little uh, apparently spontaneous. yeah no no oh don't you dare oh please yourselves it was all written down every word of it and so yeah every so but the thing is i think there are times when boris genuinely is unprepared and just tries to wing it on charm and he always gets away with it and the other day i think for pretty much the first time when anybody's been watching he didn't and i could tell that was you could tell it was really rattling him Uh, and it will be it, it, it will be rattling the conservative party as well because they they keep him on for that that's why they keep him there they know he's not up to the job at all on any kind of administrative level or in any kind of professional level. He is basically the congenial front man for a bunch of rather sinister concern. Um, but while he's there, he makes them lovable and cuddly by extension and these are some deeply unlovable and uncuddly people he's fronting for, uh, but he does so quite successfully to the point where still a vast swathe of the population find him sort of, you know, uh, weirdly adorable. If that starts to wear, well, we know, I mean, because the letters have started going into the 1922 committee, so we know that not only is a, a, a swathe of the parliamentary party utterly sick of this, they're actually not afraid to say so anymore. So how where where all that goes is going to be very entertaining.
0: Watch. i've i've not so i'm not totally familiar with pepper pig i don't know whether you have any any great knowledge oh
1: yeah absolutely well i mean yeah my, my kids are exactly the right age so right I okay I mean, but pepper
0: pig've gone I, I was going to say i I've, I've picked up that something that is often said in pepper pig is if you want to jump in muddy puddles you must wear your boots and Boris Johnson strikes me as a man who jumps in many mud- muddy puddles without the benefit of actually oh, putting his boots Ab- on first. Absolutely
1: yes well because I don't know if somebody else is going to get him some more shoes. No I'm absolutely I'm absolutely of the I'm, I'm of very much of the Peppa Pig generation because my kids were born in 2005 and 2008 and Peppa Pig I think started in 2003. So certainly uh when my kids were little my 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 household very closely resembled Peppa Pig and uh, Daddy Pig, I think, was very closely modeled on me. Um, so, no, I'm, I'm a big fan. I've not been to Pepper Pig land because I don't think Pepper Pig started to go kind of Disney big until my kids are a bit grown up to be watching it. If it's anything like uh, Legoland or the Harry Potter experience, then it'll be extraordinarily good fun and mind bogglingly expensive. <laughs>
0: Yes, I mean, I was, I was just talking about. I was just talking about Dominic Raab earlier, and, and one of the yeah. things that I noticed about Dominic Raab's many media appearances this week was that he said he had been to Peppa Pigland, and they said, "What's it like?" And he said, "It was a it was a, an afternoon of my life that I will never get back." And and he, he has been in a cabinet meeting with Pretty Patel and um, Heavens, Nadine yes, Doris. Yes. So, I mean, imagine how bad it can be. Could you get a good TV series out of this uh, out of this, uh, this this government? Do you think? I mean, we we did ask this on Facebook. We had a lot of votes for the Muppets. Obviously, Dita Novak said the Wooden Tops. Ian Wells said. I, I mentioned this because this was the first film I ever saw at the cinema. He said the, this. Boris Johnson reminds me of the Blue Cat Buxton, who took over and screwed up the Magic Roundabout. Do you remember Doodle and <laughs> the Blue Cat? I've never actually seen Dougal and the Blue Cat. It's semi legendary. Yeah, it's it's yes.
1: this, um it's 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 the well as the title suggests it is the magic roundabout movie. Uh,
0: and it is I remember. It's
1: well, it's particularly um, it, it's particularly popular with acid casualties.
0: Um, oh, <laughs> um true, <laughs> that, yeah,
1: <laughs> I've never actually seen it, but apparently it is even more trippy
0: and psychedelic than
1: the TV show was. But I'd very much like to see it at some point. I mean, Edwina
0: Simmons done. said, this yep. might be one for you. She said that the front bench at PMQs reminds me of the... Are they called the skexies from the Dark <laughs> Oh, yeah!
1: <laughs> well, that is, it, the skexes are more sort of the House of Lords, aren't they? You know, they <laughs> right. Okay. I think you know they, 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 there was, there was something sort of um, sinister and decrepit about the skexes. Uh, I, I always think the skexes are more like the House of Lords and House of Commons. Um, this I don't know. I don't know. I mean, this is the weird that they, they. I'm just trying to think. I mean, because it's it's not just that they're nasty. They're nasty and incompetent. That's the thing. They're, they're, they're yeah. nasty in a, a chaotic kind of way. So all the obvious comparisons fall down one way or the other, yeah. They're, they're not sort of the Empire from Star Wars, because the Empire from Star Wars were quite competent. Um... Trying to think, who's 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 evil and useless? Well, it's, I'll so, ponder uh, that one. Yes,
0: yeah, Pinky <laughs> and the Brain, I suppose, and, uh, yes. and that, uh, you know, it's, it's it's something, it's something like. That. But who's the
1: brain? That's the
0: trouble. I mean, it's just an entire cabinet of Pinkies and no well, brain. Well, I always used it? to think that Dominic Cummings and, and Boris Johnson were were the brain and, and Pinky. You know, they were yeah. the
1: Pinky. And, yeah. Well, the thing about Cummings though is he's he's <laughs> not as clever as he thinks he is. This is trouble. being a genius is like being a great lover. If you have to go around telling people it isn't true,
0: yes. <laughs> <laughs> this is this is very true. I mean, the last two weeks has been so bad for Boris Johnson that I think in in fifty years they're going to have, have to ask Peter Jackson to recut all the footage to show that it was a happy and productive time after all. Uh, who would you like to replace Boris Johnson? Well, well, ooh, God, who well, out, of, out, of, out of who they've got? Uh, who, yes, well, <laughs> I don't or just know. Anyone. It's,
1: it's difficult, isn't it? Because on the one hand, you don't want anybody who's going to get their act together because that that increases the chances of them winning another election in two years time but by the same token you don't want it to be another complete shambles because that means two more years of chaos and poverty and despair for everybody uh, I don't know I mean let's I mean think in terms of who it's gonna be I mean the, the ones who are gonna make the plays for it Rishi's obviously gonna make a big play for it he's he's the one who's obviously gonna be. gove I think has basically exhausted his currency I don't I don't think anybody trusts him no. that's the main problem I think you know it's you know, to stab one party leader in the back might be seen as unfortunate. To stab two, and people start to see a pattern emerging. So I don't think anybody trusts Gove enough. Uh, then you start thinking about I don't know. I mean, this is the trouble, though. I mean, in 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 2019, anybody with a mind of their own got kicked out the party. It's he's he's ended up in a similar kind of situation to Thatcher in her twilight years. That there was she was surrounded by. Yes, men, and, and and anybody with anybody with any kind of leadership qualities has long since been purged. So, I mean, are we talking about? I know a return of somebody from the previous generation who has somehow managed to survive the great Stalinist purges of 2019, like Jeremy Hunt presents himself. I mean, I've always said I would quite like to see Jeremy Hunt as prime minister. Just we'd really have a couple of years of news leaders trying not to say it. <laughs> um <laughs>
0: Um, (laughs) Oh, dear. This issue of the New European, issue 270, you've written about Keir Starmer, who's obviously, you know, Labour have taken a, a poll lead, haven't they? But it's more to do with the government being terrible than people really loving Keir Starmer. What are your big ideas about how Keir Starmer could break through. Just tell me one of them.
1: (laughs) I know I said leaker sex tape, I remember.
0: Yes. Um,
1: I don't have the article in front of me, but I remember that was one of my suggestions, was accidentally on purpose leaker sex tape, because, well, you know, we're up against the most priapic prime minister of of modern times. Perhaps not the most sort of carnally reckless prime minister ever, but certainly the most carnally reckless prime minister we've had during a time when the public got to find out about that kind of thing. Whereas Keir can't help but come across as a bit frigid and boring by mistake. So, yeah, if a privately videoed intimate moment were to accidentally on purpose make its way out the porn hub, people might see it, start seeing them in a whole new light. So we ask readers
0: about <laughs> listeners about this as well. And Daffyd Tillings said, have he, he picked up on your theme. He said, Have sex with an American tech lady without giving her any business funding. This would show yeah. fiscal <laughs> responsibility. Thank you, Daphne, Yes,
1: yeah, yes, that's right. Yes, so, so have sex with a have with an American woman starting to start a coffee, and don't give her a hundred grand, and that and there's instant moral high ground.
0: It's beautiful, <laughs> isn't it? Uh, Richard Owen also said communicate exclusively through some kind of freestyle rap, supported by Angela Rayner beatboxing. So you know. I can see that.
1: Yeah, I think my skin is crawling at the very thought of that. And I think my final suggestion was do something about the hair because there's never been a more stark tonsorial contrast between two party leaders, has there? I mean, Keir looks like he irons his hair into place every morning and Boris looks like he sets a bomb off on his head every 20 minutes or so. So it's, uh, yeah, maybe maybe the contrast is just too stark. I said, you know, you should start letting that quiff droop down over one eye like Brian Ferry. (laughs)
0: Or oh, Phil Oakey, maybe yes. or oh, Phil Oakey, yes. Just go full, uh, full Oakey. <laughs> never, go Oake. Oake. um, never go full Oakey. You <laughs> never go full Oakey. Finally, finally, yes. as somebody who is working in the arts, you've got you must be delighted that the culture secretary is somebody who's as well briefed as Nadine Doris. Uh,
1: yeah, no, it's. I mean, well, she. It's in, the fact that she doesn't know what Channel Four is is sort of slightly less scary than the fact that she keeps threatening people who report things she doesn't like. I mean, she genuinely seems to be under the impression that being Minister of Culture and the Arts means you're in charge of all culture and all arts, and you can get rid of any that you don't like, which I don't think is quite the job description. But she's, she's from Liverpool, isn't she? In the yes, she is. Yeah, well, it's the same kind of feeling I get with Esther McVeigh. It's uh, you know you've got to be a very special kind of person to grow up in Liverpool, being a similar kind of generation to me, and then join the Conservative Party. It's a uh, it's a very interesting route your life has taken. If that's where it ends up, if it starts off in Liverpool and ends up on the Tory front bench, then yeah, that's a that's a very curious path you've taken there.
0: A curious path indeed. <laughs> Thank you so much. It's great to have you back on the podcast. We will speak soon, Mitch Ben. Thank you, Steve. You can read all mitch's columns by subscribing at the new european.co.uk slash subscribe you can read his column on keir starmer and his need to make a sex tape uh, or maybe not uh, in issue 270 of the new european that's at newsagents now <music> thanks again to mitch ben you can read mitch in issue 270 of the new european in newsagents now you can read all his columns for us by subscribing at the new slash subscribe So before the Hall of Shame, a reminder that Charlie Connolly's Great European Lives podcast is available now. It tells the life stories of amazing Europeans in short 10-minute bursts. It's a superb listen. It's available wherever you got this podcast. And finally, it's the Hall of Shame. Some familiar faces here this week. Nadine Doris is back. She was in here last week. She told a, a commons committee uh, that Channel 4's future should be brought into question, particularly when it's in receipt of taxpayers' money. Now, the only problem with this, of course, as Damian Green pointed out, was that Channel 4 is not in receipt of taxpayers' money. And when he did point this out to Nadine Doris, she came back with this thing as so, yeah, although it's... And... Yeah... Who does she think she is with that sort of response? The Prime Minister. Talking of him, Boris Johnson is in the Hall of Shame, and not just for his CBI speech. His plan for a Brexit bridge between mainland Britain and Northern Ireland has finally been scrapped after it would be decided that it would be too expensive and too unworkable. Its route would have run through a Ministry of Defence dump of more than 1.5 tonnes of unexploded munitions. And because of the great depth of much of the 22-mile route, the project would have required 54 support towers of heights never achieved by architects anywhere in the world. Apart from that, it was absolutely perfect. Alack, egad, Harumph and Whiddicombe Corner. It's cancelled this week because Anne column is not in the Daily Express. But Anne Whittacombe's chum, Nigel Farage, is in the hall of shame. Just think, it's just over a year ago that Nigel Farage was flying free in luxury to the USA when most of us couldn't. He was taking part in rallies for the President of the United States. He was on nationwide TV in America, he was all over the media, he was staying in the best hotels, he had access to the White House, he had free drinks, free food, free hotels, everything. And now he's making his dough by talking to Kerry Katona on GB News and selling birthday messages on the same service that Katie Price uses. Didn't karma great. But foremost in the Hall of Shame this week is Priti Patel. It's not just because of her lack of humanity and lack of diplomacy over migrant boats issue but also because she set up a post-Brexit scheme which handed out fast-track visas to work in Britain if you were a Nobel laureate or if you'd won a touring prize. She said this would attract the brightest and the best people to Britain. We'd handpick the people that we wanted from other countries while uh, saying no to the rest of them. How many scientists applied for the scheme in the first six months of this existence? None. Zero. And perhaps that's a lesson for people like Pretty Patel. Perhaps it's a sign that some people have got higher standards than Pretty Patel. Why take an open door into a country that wants to show the door to its nearest neighbours and to slam the door on the most desperate people on the planet? That was the New European Podcast with Steve Anglesey. Thanks to you for listening. Thanks to our producer, Ellie Longman-Rood. Episodes of the New European Podcast are now released every Thursday. If you enjoyed this one, why not subscribe and rate and review it on your podcatcher of choice? If you'd like to enjoy more podcasts from The New European, please do check out Great European Lives with Charlie Connolly. And if you'd like to enjoy more from The New European as a whole, visit our new website and join us by subscribing at theneweuropean.co.uk slash subscribe. On social media, you can join our Facebook readers group. You can follow The New European on Twitter at The New European. You can follow me on Twitter at Sanglesey, S-A-N-G-L-E-S-E-Y. Until the next time we meet, so long snowflakes.